0: call, the email, the tip comes into your office, an employee reports suspicious activity somewhere across the globe, that activity might well turn into an FCPA issue for your company. As the CCO, it will be up to you to begin the process, which will determine in many instances how the company will respond going forward. This scenario was driven home by the SEC in a 2015 enforcement action involving Mead Johnson Nutrition Company. In this enforcement action, the company performed two internal investigations into allegations that its Chinese business unit was engaged in conduct, which violated the FCPA. Unfortunately, the first investigation performed in 2011 did not turn up any evidence of FCPA violations. It was not until 2013 when the SEC made an inquiry to the company that it performed an adequate internal investigation and uncovered FCPA violations. The 2012 FCPA guidance has as clear and concise a statement about hotlines as any other requirement found in the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program. It stated, An effective compliance program should include a mechanism for an organization's employees and others to report suspected or actual misconduct or violations of the company's policies on a confidential basis and without fear of retaliation. In the 2019 guidance, the DOJ stated, Another hallmark of a well-designed compliance program is the existence of an efficient and trusted mechanism by which employees can anonymously or confidentially report allegations of a breach of the company's code of conduct, company policies or suspected or actual misconduct. Prosecutors should assess whether the company's complaint handling process includes proactive measures for the creation of uh, to create a workplace atmosphere without fear of retaliation appropriate processes for the submission of complaints, and processes to protect whistleblowers. Prosecutors should also assess the company's processes for handling investigations of such complaints, including the routing of complaints to proper personnel and timely completion of thorough investigations and appropriate follow-up. The 2019 guidance then posed the following questions. Does the company have an anonymous reporting mechanism? If not, why not? How is the reporting mechanism publicized to the company's employees? How has it been used? How has the company assessed the seriousness of the allegations it received? Has the company functioned had full access to reporting and investigative information? All of this means more than simply maintaining hotlines. Companies have to make a real effort to listen to their employees. You need to have managers who are trained on how to handle employee concerns, and they must be incentivized to take on this compliance responsibility. And you must devote communications resources to enforcing or rather reinforcing a company's culture and to create environment and expectations that managers will raise concern. The reason that a business's own employees are a company's best source of information about what is going on. It is certainly a best practice for a company to listen to its own employees, particularly to help improve processes and procedures. But more than listening to its employees, a company should provide a safe and secure route for employees to escalate their concerns. This is the underlying rationale behind anonymous reporting systems within organizations. Both the U.S. Sentencing Guideline and the Organization of Economic Cooperation and Development good practices list as one of their components an anonymous reporting mechanism by which employees can report complaints and ethics violations. Of course, Dodd-Frank whistleblower provisions also give heed to the implementation of of a hotline. What are some of the best practices for a heartline? Start with the following, availability, anonymity, escalation, follow-up, and oversight. But what do you do after it comes in? Well, the issue around internal investigations is if employees do not believe they are fair, they are not fair. The fair process doctrine, which we talked about in a prior episode, also comes into play around investigations. So what should you do? Well, first of all, you need to triage the claim effectively. Jonathan Marks, a partner at Baker Tilly, has articulated a five-step triage process, which allows not only for an early assessment of any allegation, but also a manner to think through your investigative approach. Marks cautions that you must have an experienced investigator or other seasoned professional making these determinations, if not a more well-rounded group or committee. Next, consider what types of evidence is to consider going forward. Finally, before selecting a triage solution, understand what tools are available, including both forensic and human, to complete the investigation. Stage one, this consists of allegations that have a low threat level and do not suggest a breakdown of internal controls. Tips that are grouped in this stage do not have a financial impact or reputational impact. Stage two, these allegations are of a more serious nature and often indicate some deficiency in the design of internal controls. Stage three, these allegations are serious in nature, generally involve an override of internal controls, and thus are at a minimum a serious deficiency. Stage four, these are serious allegations that could have an impact on the completeness and accuracy of audited financial statements and could indicate a material weakness in internal controls. Stage five, these are serious allegations that may involve one or more members of the company's management team or serious enough to uh, do damage to the company's reputation. After you ascertain ascertain you have an effective reporting mechanism through your hotline and demonstrate a robust and properly scoped investigation protocol, you must use the information you receive to remediate any issues. It is not simply enough to show that the hotline exists. You must present the data it produces and use it. So what are the three key takeaways from today? The Department of Justice and Securities and Exchange Commission have placed special emphasis on hotlines internal reporting mechanisms. This has been enshrined in public company law as far back as Sarbanes-Oxley. So this is not something new, but the Department of Justice takes whistleblowing and whistleblowing hotlines extraordinarily seriously. Two, test your hotline on a regular basis to make sure it's working. There's nothing worse for your hotline, whether or not it's internal uh, reputation of your compliance function or if the regulators come knocking, if someone calls the hotline and gets a non-working number, that's simply a non-starter. And number three, Have a triage protocol in place before the call comes in so you'll be ready to go and not scrambling to create a protocol which will help you uh, when there's truly an emergency. It will allow you to get the information quickly and efficiently to those who need to have the information, and it will demonstrate to the Department of Justice the seriousness in which you take these matters going forward. Thank you for listening to Day 18, internal reporting, and the triaging of claims. I hope you'll join me again tomorrow and I take up another strategy, tactic, or pointer that you can use in your compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.